I'm Julia Offer and you're listening to the European Skeptics Podcast, the real ESP experience. listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 149, and I am your host, Yelena Levin. And joining me today is my co-host, Pontus Bokman. Всем привет! Hey, son, hey, son! How are you, Jelena? And guess what that means? If I started the show, <laughs> that means Andrus ain't here. No, he is traveling. But on the other hand, we didn't expect him for the last show either. So this is it's yeah. pretty good news. It's, he, he, he's in Asia somewhere, I believe, mm. checking out the food. Not sure what else he's doing. Hopefully uh, he's having a good time. But I also know that he, he really wants to be here. So <laughs> hi, hi, Andrus. <laughs> Yeah, if you're listening. But we have a wonderful interview planned today. Oh, yes, um, we do. Which I am actually personally very excited about. Uh, It's Yule Ofe, who we have met and also interviewed in the past once. Yes. At the beginning of our career. (laughs) (laughs) Back in 2016. I believe it was in April. Was it episode 19? Something like that. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Bloody hell. Yeah. How time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. But yes, so she's here to to speak about something to do with give you pair. I'm always like struggling. To be honest with you, this organization has got the most ridiculously long name. So she w- you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think we she will explain all about the name as well. So, but GWP is the of course the German skeptics, and they yeah. have recently uh, awarded their. You know, it's their equivalent of the Bent Spoon Award. So they award to, to somebody or someone who has been doing some really stupid thing. Or Rusty Razor. Rusty Razor, exactly. It's a pseudoscientific yeah. thing. Yeah. They did that, I think, 10 days ago as we record this. And uh, we want to talk to her about that. And we also want to hear a little bit more about GVUP because this is not everything they're doing. And of course... Uh, about uh, Julia herself and the science communication efforts that she is doing and and has been doing for a while and is very uh, actually sort of famous for in the skeptical movement. Correct. Hmm? Yes. So, um, and I think uh, we should just crack on with it. What do you think, Pontus? Absolutely. On every other episode, we usually interview someone who's interesting from a skeptical point of view either by representing an organization of a certain country or a project stretching across borders. This time we talk to Julia Offe, who has a PhD in molecular biology and is a freelance science communicator. And she is looking to develop new forms of science communication, among that the Science Slam, which she has promoted in particular. She is active in GWP, which is the German Skeptics, where she is a former board member and she is the founder of the regional Hamburg GWP group. 
In the fall of 2015, Julia Offer was appointed science and technical consultant of the Con- Committee for Skeptical Inquiry, PSYCOP. She was with us at our episode 19, which was way back in early 2016. Julia, welcome back to the show. Hello. Hi, Julia. So good to have you again. Yes. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's very interesting to have you back. We have a few different topics to, to cover with you. But one recent event was the yearly Das Goldenes Bretts Award that GVUP presented on the 28th of November. So uh, can you... There was first, there was, uh, I think, the regular award and then there was a Lifetime Achievement Award. Can you please tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yes, actually, that this is an initiative between uh, German and Austrian skeptic-minded people, and it was founded in Austria in Vienna in 2011. And uh, for the past three years now, we have been giving the award at the same time on the same day to the same people. Oh, we have also an uh, award ceremony in here in Hamburg. We are trying to give the award to the to someone who has got famous in some way for the biggest pseudoscientific um, nonsense of the year in the German-speaking countries, so in Austria, Switzerland, and Germany. Yeah, so so who was the winners? So the winner this year was a, a hospital in Vienna. Well, they gave 95,000 euros to <laughs> to a guy who, well, it's still under construction, this uh, this hospital, and they gave 95,000 euros at, to some guy who, well, he went there and he got rid of the bad energies and he, he drew something like a protection ring to save the construction site from bad energies and also, of course, the hospital, the later hospital from, uh, from bad energies. And well, he was paid this tremendous amount of money for going there for an afternoon and well, doing, doing yeah. nothing basically. So, so it wasn't even a physical wall or, or even a symbolic wall around it. It was, it was just there and, and mumbled a few things. Yes, it was just the an energetic wall, and only he probably can see it or yeah. can feel yeah. it. Can yeah. feel it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm picturing the dome of Hogwarts in the Harry Potter films, in the last <laughs> battle of Hogwarts, where they try to keep uh, Voldemort out. I think it was something like that, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Well, it sounds like it makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> but after a bit of critical thinking, it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, but ninety-five thousand euros—that's a that. lot of money. Yeah, considering it's a taxpayer's money, and um, I'd I'd be raising serious questions and and making sure that the public is aware. Yeah, they. Well, it was a big scandal, or quite a big scandal in Austria, to be honest. So it was not just the skeptics who uh, who, who doubted the use of this uh, wall. Yeah, it's, it's well, it's almost a hundred thousand euros of taxpayers' money, and there were four people who had to sign this contract with this person. So it was not just one person who went crazy, but there were four people who said, "Oh, I think that's a good idea." Yeah. And and the, and the reason I believe it was not a hundred thousand was that they, then they would have needed more approvals. 
Yeah, that's true. They would have had to ask more people and to compare the uh, what the people were offering. But not in this way, they could just say, "Oh, I think you are you are a, a decent guy who can do this for us. Well, take our money." And he wrote like five pages of expertise on this, and the well, we cannot get hold of it, so no one knows what it says. That's that's pretty extraordinary, isn't it? So he he came, he he kind of uh, uttered a couple of words, probably mumbo jumbo. He wrote <laughs> written written those five pages that nobody saw, claimed ninety five grand and disappeared. That's that's absolutely unbelievable. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to see the outrage of the public uh, in at large in the future months, and, and I'm rooting that that, that <laughs> these money can be recovered and refunded. <laughs> Because yeah, because because this work was completely complete and utter nonsense. So I'm not very confident, actually. Well, the Austrians are quite strong in believing nonsense. Mm. Yeah, but I yeah. but I actually like the bit. Or well, it's very popular. It's, or or it's astonishingly popular, given the fact that there are less people than in Germany. I think they're. I mean, they they believe in a lot of crap. Yeah. <laughs> All this water, this Granda Wasser, this water, it's so popular in all kinds of common institutions uh, or public institutions in, in Austria. You know, they have, they have swimming pools filled with this water. They have hospitals and old age. Now people, where people live who are old, they all use this special watch. It's so popular there. It's really crazy. Really? What is this water? Yeah. It's called Granda Wasser. Right. Almost everyone is using it. it. Well, it's nothing. It's an energeticized and you can, ah, okay. you can spend a few thousand euros on putting a little, a little box into your basement where the main water tube passes by and then this will be a special water. I'm getting visions. There was an old movie in the 80s called Cocoon, where they, where they, there were aliens and they filled a, a whole swimming pool with the energized water and all the elderly people in the, in the neighborhood went there to swim because they became re revitalized. Anybody saw that movie? I didn't. I didn't watch it, but I think uh, I'm not sure that the Ghana was works the same way. Well, well let, let's <laughs> assume you could test it. Of course, it, it may not work at all. Yeah. Spoiler. Yeah. And I, what what I really liked about the story with the uh, with the hospitals that the Catholic Church was a bit. They, well, they they would have been happier if they had been asked to give their good energies uh, to this hospital and they said it would have been cheaper yeah but so so uh, getting back to the 100,000 limit is it the case that if it was above 100,000 then they would have to go in a public bidding to see who who could give the best bid for 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 doing this exactly that uh, that's the problem that's the problem with 100,000 so they gave him only 95,000 well, let's consider him well paid for the effort anyway. Yeah, for five pages. I know many journalists who earn much less. <laughs> wow. I, wa I wonder how much uh, how much Catholic Church would charge for the same service. Well, 94,000. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they charge at all. I'm, they give their blessings away for free, I think. Yeah. So that, that was the Das Goldenes Brett uh, Award for this year. But there was also a lifetime achievement, wasn't it? 
yeah, we have had the lifetime achievement now, I think, for four years. Um, and this year, the Debitor Verband won. It's an organization of biodynamic farmers. I don't know if you know what biodynamic agriculture is about. It's absolutely crazy. Well, we stress that everything is fine with organic farming and biological farming and not using too much pesticides and herbicides and no doubt about that. Yeah, I'm a biologist myself, but um, they, they use in the biodynamic farming, which is comes from Rudolf Steiner, the anthroposophic farmer uh, farming. They use strange things like a deer's stomach filled with a certain species of plants and they will bury it in the ground for half a year and then they will dig it up and then they will mix it with water. I think they will make a homeopathic dilution of it and they then they will spray it onto their fields. Yeah. If you want to be part of the Demeter organization, which is very, very, very popular, Everyone in Germany believes that they are the good guys because because they don't use any poison. Yeah, they, you have to use it if you want to be a part of this yeah. organization. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy this biodynamic agriculture and, and stuff that they do with like flowers and chamomile and all sorts of weird stuff. And, and it's also the faces of the moon are very important as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, they sow certain crops in different moon phases and then they also pick them in different moon phases. Sometimes it's not only the phase of the moon, but also the direct moonlight. So they, they have to pay extra for the workers because it's of course more expensive if people work at night than during the, mm. the day. So then that's insane. Probably yeah. many people fall off their ladders when they pick the apples because oh. it's pitch dark except for the moon. Oh. Yeah, that's that's true. I'm not making this up. This is true. You can buy apples here in Hamburg, which have been picked just on the other side of the Elbe River, uh, which are picked at moonlight. Wow, it's real, really hocus pocus, isn't it? It's all part of the anthroposophic movement, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it probably has been extended from people. I don't know. Yeah, but it's part of the anthroposophic movement. Yeah. Mm. Wow. So we actually refer to Giveopair quite often on this show, and it covers Germany, Austria, and Switzerland, if I'm not mistaken. A, as a former member of the board, could you please tell us? So, first of all, what the GVUPA stands for, as in, you know, what what the letter stands for in German and also translation. What does it do and uh, and whether there are regular activities that happen on sort of annual, monthly basis, etc. Okay, so it stands for uh, Gesellschaft zur wissenschaftlichen Untersuchung von Parawissenschaften, which means it's a society for the scientific investigation of pseudosciences. Wow. That's a long Love it. title. <laughs> That's why yeah. we try to go by Skeptica more. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I understand why you, you made it into a abbreviation. Yeah, mm. yeah exactly. <laughs> so it's, um, what do we do? We have an annual uh, conference, which is very nice. I can uh, really recommend to go there. It will take place in Augsburg next year, which is in the south of Germany. From, uh, it's from May 30th until the 1st of June. 
Brilliant, yep. Mm. We actually have it on in our uh, skeptic calendar already. So yep. if anybody wants to check that out, we have it on the ESP.eu website. Yeah, and we also will be um, sort of advertising and sort of talking about it near the time. And am I right in, the, in assuming that this conference is going to be in German? Yes, it will be in German. Mm. Well, not unfortunately, I think it's fortunate because I'm always, you know, trying to have outreach beyond the scientific community. And well, yeah. there's a surprising amount of people who do not speak English very well in Germany and wouldn't be able to follow their talks otherwise. So I think it's good to be in German, but of course for international guests, it's yeah. not good. Mm-hmm. No, no, but it's it's good to have local events like that happening. Is there anything else that GiveUper does on a, a kind of monthly basis? That's that's kind of more of a. Well, we have monthly meetings in many. We have many regional groups of the GVUP. <laughs> they, yeah, you can find it on their websites or on Facebook. They most of them meet every month or every two months. And we also have actually do what our name says to have a, a scientific investigation of pseudoscientific people <laughs> who uh, think they can do anything uh, that is not explainable by science. Mm. Uh, we have this every year. It's called PSI-TEST. We have a room at the university so we can really uh, well, go for the science. And most of the experiments we do with people, the people will, will call us and say, well, I am very good at dowsing. I can, I can tell where water is from where no water is or from just some sorts of radiation that no one has ever heard about. I feel this and you can test me. This is a fact. I don't make this up. This is a fact. You can test me. And we have yeah. uh, tested dozens and dozens of people for more than 20 years now. And of course, no one, no one yeah. passed this test. Yeah. But did, you do have a, a monetary award for anybody who would, if they would pass, right? Yeah. They can get, uh, get 10,000 euros, but only if they pass it really well. If they pass it the first time, then we would think, oh, maybe they, well, they, they tricked us in some way. Something has to be wrong. Uh, for example, if, if we have, uh, when people say, I can tell a bucket with water from a bucket without water, and we have like 20 buckets and they are covered. And he, if he has more like than 12 or th- 10 of them with water, 10 of them without water. And if he has more than like, 13 or 14 hits, then that's, you know, that's also very good, already very good. Or 15 would be already very good. And then, yeah, well, if they pass it over and over again, we can, we can find a trick, then eventually they will win 10,000 euros. Yeah, that would be pretty sensational and very interesting if they should pass, actually. Yeah, it would. Yeah, yeah. They, they say, oh, you just don't, don't want this to be true. Yes, I do want this to be true because then I can do some research on it and find out how it works. Yeah, yeah. that would be really mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, we spoken to a couple of organizations in other European countries who's doing exactly the same thing where they're testing people who claim to have uh, this extra sort of these gifts Mm -hmm. and uh, dowsing Mm -hmm. was one of the things we spoke to our uh, with our friends from is it poland pontus correct Uh, me if i'm wrong yeah maybe poland but i know uh, czech republic they're doing it yeah 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 
We actually do it in Sweden too. If anybody mm. would be interested, it hasn't. We haven't had much oh, applications shoot. lately, but we can do it in Sweden <laughs> if if but are you offering, interested. Are you offering money money prize to to those? No, we don't. But um, oh. maybe we should. Yeah, but I, I don't think the money is the reason because some people, you know, many people come there and say, well, I've been doing this for a living for 20 years. I, I go to people's houses and tell them where to put their beds and then I can heal people from cancer or people sleep much better. People are much happier. And I know because this is my truth and my experience and I know I can do it. One person, he wanted to have like a stamp on his website saying, um, give you pay approved. He said, oh, they really <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think it's, go- it's ever going to happen. <laughs> no, it's not. But this is what he was dreaming about. He was funny. I remember him very well. He, he had a, a wooden disc he made himself in the neighboring room. And he said, when it's, horizontally then the the earth radiation is normal but when you have it vertically then it's um well it's deleted or it's uh, not dangerous anymore and then you know there was one person in the next room and with a uh, with random numbers they i don't know we did like 20 tests or something he had it either vertically or horizontally and the person in our room well the the with the dowsing sticks, he said, oh, now I can feel the radiation, now it's off, now I can feel it, now it's off, something like that. And afterwards, you know, of course, we kept track in both rooms what he said and what was was the truth in the other room. And then afterwards, we, we asked him, so... How confident are you? How, how well do you think you did? How, how, how high do you think is the percentage you were right? And he said, well, maybe 50%. <laughs> so statistics is not their strong side. That's so, you know, he didn't understand at all what a scientific testing was about. <laughs> that's, that's actually funny. Yeah, and he did get 50% and he thought, well, 50% is quite good. All right. Yeah. But he was happy about it, about yeah. this result. So you are working as a science communicator. And yes. you're very interested in this area. Uh, can you tell us about that? And especially, I think, about the Science Slam activities that you have promoted and started up in several cities, I believe, in Germany. Yeah, um, I've been doing this for uh, almost 10 years now. Science Slam is like a poetry slam. In a poetry slam, uh, you have young young people who, who write poems or prose texts, um, they come up to stage and each of them gets five minutes to read their text and in the end the audience is the jury and decides which presentation was best. Mm-hmm. Well, it's more or less the same in a science slam. Actually, it's not about people being young, but about being uh, people being not famous, you know, not uh-huh. yeah, not these very okay. famous. We don't um, have professors on stage, and in a poetry slam, usually, you know, people will not be very famous writers. Mm. So, in a science slam, it's uh, it's a bit like a poetry slam. Every scientist has to talk about their own scientific project. Like in the poetry slam, you have to read your own prose. Mm-hmm. 
then you get 10 minutes of time and you have to give a talk that is um, enthusiastic and maybe funny, maybe also sad, um, but, you know, to engage your, your audience with your topic. You can use anything you like, so a PowerPoint presentation or props or it can play the guitar, you can dance, you can, you know, you can, oh. you can do anything you want to, yeah, what you need to explain your topic. And yeah, in the end, the audience gets to vote. Mm -hmm. That sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. So the format is very free. As long as it's entertaining and people are interested in what you're talking about, you can do whatever you want to. So I, I don't remember if you said there was a time limit or... Yeah, it's a time limit of 10 minutes. So yeah. every, at every event, we have five or six science slammers. It's also from, okay. from all kinds of science. It's not just the STEM field, but also uh, humanities. Okay. Everyone who works in a university, um, and does an own research project, they can join mm. it. Yeah. And, and in your opinion and your experience, what was the most surprising thing that you learned and that came out of these, um, events? Well, the most surprising, and that's very hard after 10 years. <laughs> and, um, for example, I might, one of my favorite examples is a guy who talks about taxes and, um, he has an idea. He writes his PhD on an idea how we can make VAT taxes more just because, no, because it's, it's a fixed tax. It affects richer people less than poor people. Ah, good point. And yeah. And I thought, oh, because I'm a biologist and I thought, oh no, Texas, it's so complicated and so boring at the same time. <laughs> yeah. so, so I will never, never, never be interested in this. And you know, I have to, I have to run away because it's so terrible to think about these things. And after 10 minutes, I thought, oh, this is so cool that people are trying to make the society and the tax system more just more fair yeah i was really uh, impressed yeah yeah do, do you find it that as long as the person presenting it doesn't really matter what subject it is if that person is interesting and, and has a lot of enthusiasm almost any subject can be interesting Yes, I think not almost any subject. I really think any subject subject can be interesting. Yeah. Sometimes people say, "Oh, I've been working on the perception of football in Germany in the 1990s," and you think, "Oh, great!" And they they say, <laughs> "Oh, my friend said I should join in because the topic is so great," and then they give a talk which is so boring, you know. And other people talk about taxes and are very very fascinating. Yeah. Uh, there you yeah. go. There you go. And and I and I bet uh, a lot of people who go to these events uh obviously have a perception of science research as something kind of, you know, uh we've all heard about like cancer research and whatever. But actually there's so many people doing so so many amazing re research on different topics that we would never thought of, you know, and yeah. it, it just opens up this whole world uh, of of wonderful options and opportunities and research fields. Yeah, exactly. I recently had a, I had a geographer. He taught something about that when something is on a map, then everyone believes it's true because no one is used to seeing fake maps. And he said, he, he starts, he comes to a stage in Hamburg. He's not from Hamburg. And he said, well, Hamburg is in the U.S. Do you believe me? And everyone knows, no, no. And then, then he shows a map of the U.S. with 
20 places called Hamburg. And then everyone says, yes, you're right. And he says, this is very important because people believe that what is on a map is true. And yeah. that's fascinating because you, I, I recognize it's also true for myself. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, interesting. And people are thinking about these things. It's really, it's really cool. So, Julia, what other thoughts uh, do you have on science communication in general? What other thoughts? Well, uh, I think, I think we should encourage scientists to communicate directly with the public. I mean, to use social media or science slam stages or other stage events and communicate directly. So, you know, so the public can ask questions and get in touch. So you can have a conversation with them. Of course, you should not force anyone who doesn't feel like it or who doesn't want to. But I think this is, this is what we need. I think we have to show to the public that scientists are people like you and me and mm. are not uh, paid by big pharma and are not evil and are not enjoying animal research and uh, <laughs> yeah. what do you mean what do you mean not getting paid by big pharma i'm quite disappointed i was waiting for my i was waiting for was waiting for my check for from big pharma and so was pontus <laughs> yeah 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 I've been waiting for many, many years now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but I think, Siri, do you think scientists need to be educated in how to communicate? I know that in, in Oslo, oh, sorry, in Norway, the Norwegian skeptics have actually engaged with the universities to teach young scientists how to communicate in order for them not to be misunderstood. Yeah, I think you, you can always, uh, teach people and, and there are good things about teaching people but sometimes I also you know I also uh, teach people how to make themselves understood within 10 minutes and how to use an, like a, a lively langu language and you know make themselves heard yeah but I'm not sure because, yeah I'm not sure because I'm I would not recommend I mean to give the e easy answers that the uh, pseudoscientists do I, don't, I think it's the wrong way to say uh please don't talk so complicated but do it very in a very easy way it's not for every kind of uh, communication the right idea what, what i believe that they are doing in norway is that they are just alerting this the these young scientists on the no, the normal pitfalls what what you if you phrase yeah. it in a certain way, it will be misunderstood and make sure that you are a little bit mm. careful of what you say, because otherwise it will be misconstrued by the media. I think it's more on that level. Yeah, that's a good idea, I think. And you shouldn't, I mean, you shouldn't speculate about anything you do not know, because this, if this is just a little bit interesting or, um, I don't know, people think they can make a big story out of it, they will, the journalists, they will. Y yes, of course, yeah. they, they will catch on to what is most sensational. So, yeah, sense, uh, to speculate is probably a bad idea if you're a scientist. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky line to for scientists to walk because they have to make sure that if they ever communicate with the general public, they, they come across clear and understood but science is hard. Like, I don't think, I don't think it's good to communicate that science is easy. Science is very, very hard and it requires a lot of effort to understand and a lot of time. So it's a very interesting kind of dilemma. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I think you shouldn't, yeah, you shouldn't oversimplify it. Correct. Yeah. It's so easy to have an opinion. Yeah. You should say, well, 
yeah, this is what we think now. This is what we understood mm. by now. And for the past 10 or 20 years, we have mm. been working on this. And these are our results. And they have been reproduced uh, in the past years and so on. Yeah, but, but to show that science is a process and that things can change. And if things change or the scientific results or the, you know, state of knowledge changes, then uh, that's actually it's actually the good thing about science and not something bad yeah exactly so so let's agree that it's not just science is hard but also communication is hard <laughs> absolutely <Yeah>. well <laughs> yeah. it, it, it the, the fact that science is so hard makes makes communication so much harder and tri yeah. trickier yeah yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, as a biologist, Julia, you are, I think you have a special interest in evolution and creationism. I, is that true? Yeah, I've been, I've been doing a postdoc in evolutionary biology. And of course, on the other hand, evolution is everywhere. Everything you see in biology is, I mean, it's the result. You talking to me and me talking to the two of you, we are the result of 600 million years of evolution. <laughs> oh, wow. If you, if you put it like that. <laughs> yeah. We have all this past in us. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And one of our previous of our ancestors survived the revolution. <laughs> yeah, just for this moment, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought creationism and intelligent design, I thought about well, all these stupid stupid Americans in the you know, yeah. the parts of America where Europeans never go. Uh, <laughs> You know, all the Europeans who go to the U.S., including me, only know the West Coast and the East Coast and do not know the Bible Belt. No, the flyover states, right? Yeah, the flyover states, exactly. Mm. Yeah, but then uh, I think in 2008, it became a bit more popular because you had some books here and people wanted to teach creationism and intelligent design in school. And there was also... In Germany? Uh, in Germany, yes. Yes, wow. and there were, of course, some Christians who wanted to push it into the schools. And then there was this a school politician, and she said, well, maybe it's worth thinking about it if we could have this as a theory next to the evolutionary theory. Maybe uh, we can think about this. And this was actually the moment where I, I thought, okay, we cannot laugh about them anymore. We really have to do something. And that was uh, my motivation to become a member of the GVUP because I said, thought we have like-minded people and, you know, we are an organization and we can speak up more loudly than yeah. single people can. So that that's when you became an activist. Yes. <laughs> right. Wow. A pro-science activist. Yeah. Actually, yeah. yeah. Definitely right. Yeah. <laughs> Great. I mean, we need that kind of people. We need we need activists. Absolutely. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to bring up? Um, any events you want to plug in? Um, anything that's coming up for you uh, shortly? Well, there's many more science slams coming up the next year. I do them in Hamburg, Berlin, and Cologne, and also some other cities every now and then. Yeah, but I'm also, what I'm also doing is, uh, we, we started this year, we started a science podcast night. So, um, we've been doing this two times so far and we'll have it the third time next week on the 18th. We invite a 
science podcast over and they they record the episode on stage and the people in the audience of course they can meet and have a beer with uh, their favorite podcasters but also they can become part of the show because we have a you know a spare seat on the on stage so can go there and talk to them and then after a few minutes after you've asked all your questions or said whatever you want to, to say uh, you can leave again someone else can come up and you know become part of the episode so i'm looking forward to that that sounds like great fun yeah i'm uh, yeah it's good it's good to see people who are, you only know from the uh, your earphones or your headphones that uh, yeah to meet them in person that's nice yeah that's great yeah yeah and otherwise, I would encourage anyone because I all we also have a organize a science pub quiz uh, mm-hmm. every now and then. And this year we have done this three times so far, and we'll go on next year. And uh, but they are very popular, especially in Hamburg, with only scientific questions, with small pictures from uh, science fiction movies, and they're asked to tell what movie this is, and you know it's from. We have some songs which are about some scientific facts and you have to know the song. So it's it's about science, but it's not just for scientists, but it's for all kinds of people. And basically, whatever I do is, you know, trying to get people to talk about science while drinking beer. Yeah, you have to keep it <laughs> fun and entertaining yeah, at the same time. it's always a good yeah. idea. Yeah. 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 Great. So... How can people follow your work and uh, give you pay and uh, s- some links and stuff? I mean, sh- we will put them in the show notes, but uh, do you want to bring up some some places people can go to follow? I think there are Facebook groups of all the regional GVUP uh, groups. And, of course, the GVUP is they're quite active on Twitter. There are two Twitter accounts for the GVUP. We should probably put them in the notes. And um, also there's the GVP blog, which is very, very active. Actually, it's hard to believe that uh, Bernd Harder finds the time to write all of this when I don't even find the time to read all of this. So yeah, I think, yeah, it's quite easy to follow us on all sorts of social media. I, I know you have already sent us a few links and we will put all of that, of course, in the show notes so people can look it up. Mm-hmm. Very good then. So, uh, Julia, thank you very much for, for joining us today. It's been great to talk to you. So, uh, hope to have you back uh, on the show again soon. Yes. Yeah, so, thank you very much. Bye bye. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Bye. Something happened. With the interview with Yulia, should we let <gasps> everybody know. know how how stupid I was? Maybe we should. Maybe <laughs> we should. Beca- just because it was quite, it was quite funny, but also like I think it's inevitable. Look, we've been doing this show for uh, almost three years, and uh, this has never happened. And that was the first time where yeah. we recorded an episode and we didn't actually record the voice of the person oh. we're interviewing, and so we had to do interview with Yulia twice. Last night and tonight. Yeah. And and actually it was great. I enjoyed both times. <laughs> unfortunately unfortunately our listeners will only enjoy it once. Yeah. She's a good sport. She's a good sport. She so. was a very good sport and I was so worried because it actually had taken a, <laughs> a, a a little bit I mean, I think almost two weeks to find a time where we actually could meet up yeah, together. Yeah, and then yeah. we recorded for almost an hour <laughs> and then I pressed save and I realized shh. <laughs> 
shit, I forgot to tick the bloody checkbox. So it was only my voice. And of course, Elena's recording her voice. This is how it works. Uh, but I, rec- oh. I reckon she got to know us a little bit better. And actually, I think she got to like us more. So, you know, that's all good things. Yeah, it's, no, um, she is such a lovely person. And she just said, mm, okay, maybe mm. we can do it again tomorrow. And that was <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So I am absolutely excited about this uh, science slum idea. I've, I've done a bit of research already in digging. It's just the problem with London's renting anywhere, to be honest with you. I don't know how much... Yeah, one would charge people to be able to afford sure. even the smallest venue in London. Sure. That's why that's why our friend Chris French does it in university because universities, campuses and lecture rooms are, are so much easier to rent. Yeah, but I was thinking also, it sounds a lot like what our friend Cash uh, Farouk is doing. Right. Pub yeah. HD meetings where they have in the pub, mm. they invite, Mm, this mm, is mm. people who's researching for their PhD, and it's yeah. rather similar, I believe. Yeah. yeah, I can't say I know about about these particular meetings, but uh, when I looked at the Science Slam website, they have basically a couple of countries on the website: Germany and Russia. Please note, uh-huh. active. And then everybody else, like UK, America, coming up websites. So nothing ever been done for this. And there is a, a definitely a niche, but I'm trying to think how practically it could work in London, specifically because of the challenges with, with the venue. But I, I think I can maybe figure something out. I, I'm really quite excited about this. So we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think it's such a great idea to get people involved in the... And communicating or, or maybe interacting with, with those, with those young researchers and young scientists yeah. on this level. Mm-hmm. Cause I think, I think a lot of the lay public, lay people, uh, feel quite distanced from academics. Yes. And, uh, and I know in many ways it's because of the intellectual challenges and because of how hard science is, as I mentioned. But it doesn't mean we can't approach them and ask them questions and, and be curious and be involved and, and, and look at them just like, you know, us. Yeah. And, and so people it's... are very curious uh, uh, about science. I think that's mm. my impression anyway. And even if you don't have a high academic degree, people are interested yeah. in knowing. So yeah. we need to work like Julia to make it accessible for the general mm-hmm. public. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I have a theory. It's, it's a bit sad because... <laughs> I feel, I feel as children, we are all conditioned by, by, by evolutionary to be curious. But then as we go through school, this curiosity somewhat is being stifled by, <laughs> by the school system. It's, it's certainly where, in the school that I was at, unfortunately, that it wasn't encouraged. And so when we finish university and the school and, and all these things, it, just the, the whole scientific kind of curiosity Somewhat is is suppressed in many of us, and it's great to see people being excited by it again and and being involved and interested. Absolutely, so it could be that the school system takes all the curiosity out of you, but it could also be that teenagers are just naturally lazy. But we never know. Let's <laughs> well, speculate. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Anyway, I think people are interested deep down. I agree. I agree. Okay, well, great stuff. We we certainly enjoyed our two interviews. <laughs> <laughs> we got double the value. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope I hope that the listeners will too. And um, 
Shall we remind everybody about our contact details? Yes, absolutely. Just in case. I think yes. that's a good okay. idea. Okay, so uh, there are various ways you can get in touch with us if you'd like to. Uh, our email address is info at theesp.eu and the website is theesp.eu. Also, we've got a Facebook page, of course. If you search uh, for the European Skeptics Podcast on Facebook, you can like us on there. And we are on Twitter. Twitter handle is at espodcast underscore you and um, of course if you would like to help promote our show and spread the word and you get our podcast via iTunes please like us there and leave a comment and it will help us it, it really does help and and if you really if you even want to contribute a little money you should go to patreon.com slash the ESP and pledge a dollar or two or five or how much you can afford per episode and uh, don't forget to check out our events in Europe page. Uh, you go to the esp.eu and you click on events in Europe. You will see all the skeptics in the pub and things going on. And typically it's like 10 to 12 or 15 things happening every week or all around Europe. I notice it's a bit slow now around Christmas, but that uh, in the, the week of Christmas, but that's uh, yeah, to be expected, yeah. I believe. Yeah, no, it definitely is to be expected. Actually, there's um, one other way you can check us out uh, that I do sometimes, to be honest, and that's Wikipedia. We have a wiki page, which we haven't created ourselves. We're totally innocent. The, th the good thing with that one is that it lists the episodes in a very condensed format. So you can, if you, if you're curious to go back and find a, a, an older episode, that's actually the easiest way to find which one it was. Absolutely. I, I, I actually keep forgetting that we've got the wonderful Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so let's do a shout out to, to Susan Gerbic as well. That was a long time ago. <laughs> we, oh, we, yes. We, we so... talked about her. But of course, Susan Gerbic is driving this uh, guerrilla skepticism on Wikipedia uh, organization. Well, it's not organization. It's a project. A project. Say, yeah. Mm. A project. And there's, you know, 70, 80 people around the world who keeps updating Wikipedia, trying to make it uh, more fact-based, more objective, not uh, too superstitious. And I'm sure that somehow that they were involved in making sure that we got our Wikipedia page. So Something tells me that that's the case, yeah. You know, I gotta say, Bigfoot's BS, but the chupacabra is totally the result of top-secret government genetic experiments on a remote island. Taking medical advice from Gwyneth Paltrow, like steaming your lady parts and putting jade eggs all up in there, is a great way to improve your health. Police from around the world regularly use psychics to solve crimes. They just don't talk about it. Spontaneous human combustion is for sure a real thing. I've read all about it on the internet. And I worry someday it's going to happen to me. We all have friends and family who believe these things and much more. Well, if you're a rational thinker who is tired of arguing on social media and never getting anywhere, we have a solution for you. Join the Guerrilla Skepticism and Wikipedia team and we will teach you how to add reliable scientific and skeptical information to the world's number one source of information, Wikipedia. We write new articles and improve existing ones. We remove pseudoscience, paranormal, and alt-med claims, substituting the actual facts. And we operate in many languages. We've already reached tens of millions of people searching for information, but as you can imagine, we can never do enough. So please, join us. All you need is a PC, a Facebook account, and the desire to help educate the planet. 
In fact, you'll be educating the world while you sleep. Contact us at gsowteam at gmail.com. Guerrilla Skepticism. The time is, is now. Music by purpleplanet.com. All right. Well, um, I think this is it for today. And uh, we'll be back very soon. Yep. Uh, hopefully. Once a week. Yes. <laughs> More or less. Yeah. Uh, unless, unless it's holidays. Uh, yeah. Well, I think well. we'll try to keep it up even during the holidays. <laughs> we'll see. But um, tune in again uh, whenever we go, we come back. And uh, yep. Yep. Until next time. Paka paka. Bye bye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu, and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. Hello, cat. Which one cat is, is this? Here. This is the small one, Dobby. A very clever cat. She figured out how to open the door, so she jumps on the handle and she opens the freaking door. Who does that? I don't know. I heard cats were stupid, but maybe that's wrong. She She's extremely smart. Maybe she's not a cat. Figure. I handcuff him. No, okay. Um. <laughs> that goes to the outtakes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Yes.